Question, what kind of bear is best? You're listening to One Team, One Podcast, your unfiltered source for LSU sports. Presented by Courtesy Automotive Group and Bandit Radio Productions. On this Cur Dog episode of One Team, One Podcast, we have head coach of the Catholic High Bears, Gabe Fertitta. So, Big 12, looks like it could be saving. It, things are on, uh, it, to me, they're still like on life support a little bit, but they've kept it going. They're like the ventilator that you put in. Yeah. That's, that's Rasha. That was, uh, mm-hmm. that wasn't good. <laughs> Um, so, but they're helping out as much as they can to keep this going. It looks like, but, um, I don't know, man, I can't tell you what's really going to happen. Nope. I don't think anybody really knows. And when we had Brady on John Brady on last episode, a lot of that liability talk popped up again. And I know that's what some people had in their heads, but keep hearing more and more, especially from, um, people talking about the PAC 12, the PAC 12's decision and how they kind of just followed in line with the Big Ten. Right. There was a lot of talks about how the Pac-12 was not putting things in place like SEC teams were, like in LSU, like protocols. Like LSU has all these different really? protocols in place. Um, they have a lot of testing procedures done, and there's a lot of Pac-12 players that are starting to come out saying, why didn't we get that? Like, where yeah. is that for us? Um, so <clears throat> that's one of the things I want to talk, I wanted to talk to, uh, uh, coach Fertitta about too, is what are they doing high school level? Um, and it's a team like Catholic high, there's a lot of support and there's a lot of backing behind Catholic. So to me, in, uh, especially in this area, they're as close as we get to a, uh, <laughs> like a, a college level team, but still in high school, um, they have a lot of procedures that they can probably put in place that yeah. other teams can't. Right. So that's one of the things I want to talk to them about with him. And they had a, um, they had their big combine recently. And with all of the state restrictions uh, right now for high school playing um, like uh, the phase four, they have to get to phase four. What is, what, what, what did dad say? When are we playing golf? Uh, <laughs> Dad's asking when we're playing golf. Dad, I have, an you epi- are, I have an epidural scheduled on Thursday, Dad, next Thursday. Papa, you're a significantly better athlete than your son. Right now, you got me beat. Um, I used to be all district, all metro. I don't know if you remember. I have the posters in the back closet over there. I'll put them up in here. I, I should just put them right, right next to each. I'll do that. I'll do that tomorrow. Do it. Um, so, no. what was I saying? Uh, I don't know. LHSA. So, they have a that phase four is what they are saying that high school needs to be at to be able to play. Um, we're still in phase two. They have games scheduled October eighth. I want to know kind of like what what they have, uh, what they're thinking with this because to me, I, I don't know how that's possible right now. Um, and coach is going to have a little bit more insight on that than I will, obviously. Yeah. But are you just playing forever until hopes that you get to phase four? You know, so right. yeah. Um, one of the things I'm going to talk to him about is when they, when they did the combine, um, for Catholic only, I thought it was a very, uh, smart move, very, um, made a lot of sense for those kids because they, they don't have the spotlight on them right now. 
uh, and are they going to be able to play? And this is the best way to get people in front of them and show their numbers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Brandon Lejeune just uh, just commented asking interesting question. I'll probably ask Coach Vegeta, uh, where the hell is Major Applewhite right now? That's a good question. I completely forgot about that guy. Yeah, so his last place was Houston. He was the head coach for a minute. Got canned. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of stuff with him and Ed Oliver, if you remember. Um, oh, wait, so just, uh, he's a major he's major as an analyst on the staff with Bama. Okay, so that's a good spot to be. So yeah, an analyst with Alabama. The next move is all of a sudden you're the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, typically. Yeah, or right for Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> right, Alabama for a game, and then you're, yeah, like uh, Sarkeesian. Um, all right, what questions do we have in the um, in the courtesy automotive group huddle? I know Brandon will like that. <laughs> um, okay, so he said, yeah, I thought uh, he was still at Bama, wasn't sure. Um, Dad is asking, and I think you're going to ask that too, uh, the Catholic High game the with IMG, IMG. yeah. You stop stealing all my questions, Paul Paul. <laughs> yeah, we already had that one lined up. It's actually on the little board right here, Dad. I don't know. You may just want to come into the next podcast. Um, yeah, go ahead. All right, so here we are, and it uh, looks like we have Coach on the line. On the Courtesy Automotive Group hotline, we're letting in Coach Gabe Fertitta. Hey, guys, you got me? Uh, yeah, yes, there you go. There we go. Yeah, it was a I've been, I've been toggling back and forth from Wi-Fi to using my phone and the phone's Understood. actually a little bit, it's a little bit better. And so. yeah, you can switch that around. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're way better at zoom than, than John Brady is. I'm just letting you know that right now. <laughs> at least I can do something better. This yeah. was about 29 minutes, uh, quicker than John Brady. That's good. I'm, then I'm already ahead of the curve. That's right. Oh, yeah. Thank God we weren't live for that one. That would be a disaster. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. I now, can I out. see the uh, – I can't see the questions anymore on there. Okay, well, we'll, we'll hammer them away. And we have some uh, – there are some questions that we were like, I don't know if we're going to ask that to you, Coach. <laughs> I can tiptoe around pretty much anything. Okay, there, it felt like – one of them was a shot. It just felt like a shot. Oh, yeah. So It wouldn't be the first time I've taken yeah, a we, shot. Yeah, we'll loosen up a little bit, and then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll slip that one in. How about that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I know you know Jack. I'm Matt, um, you know, Billy's brother-in-law, too. So, I know you know Billy really well. Um, yes. The big guy is like what we like to call him. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, we need to get the big guy. we all affectionately call him. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. Oh, man, everybody loves Billy. Yeah, we need to get Billy on a two-lane episode, huh? Yeah, we'll get a two-lane episode. We always said it was going to be one two-lane episode, and it'll be like one minute long. and it'll Just be do Billy. it once every, yeah. like, decade, Just you know? Go over the stats real fast, and then we cut you off real fast. I got to say now, Tulane has one of my all-time favorite head coaches in oh, Willie yeah. Fritz. I love Willie oh, Fritz. Oh, he's is so good. It. Yeah, they he's landed. Star, I mean, Billy uh, will disagree with you, but uh, really, they did. Billy's not a fan of Billy. Oh, you boy. got you got Willie Fritz, and then one of my best friends um, was the offensive line coach there for a good while, who's now the O line coach at Florida State, Alex mm -hmm. Atkins, who's okay. probably one of the best O line coaches in America. Dude, and their run game is so good. They had a staff now, and still do. Um, they got a staff now. They really I, do. I'm, I I'm, love how he switched his offense from traditional triple op and you know me i i love triple option football i'm way oh, yeah. back old school love that stuff but obviously there is a spread 
dynamic that you have to add with that kind of stuff. And I thought he did that beautifully with kind of changing it up, going shotgun, a lot of stuff. Uh, that wasn't yeah. his MO at Georgia Southern by any means. So I loved it. Yep. Yep. Some really good stuff. <laughs> all right, coach, we're going to get into some hot topics. Um, so first of all, the LHSAA, um, of course, you guys are going to be – you're scheduled to start October 8th as far as a game goes, right? Um, Correct. How long have you guys been practicing so far, and what's the, what's the uh, procedures and protocols for that right now? Ooh, so, you know, like – Woof, doesn't start – that didn't what, sound good when yeah, you started what, that way. What you might call practice um, has been going on since uh, June the 8th, I think, was the first day they let us start into, like, summer protocol, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, a couple of weeks ago, the LHSA came out and said, you know, look, we're going ahead with the season. You can start practice on time. But there's all these restrictions. And essentially what the restrictions were, were what we had already been doing all summer. So for us, we started June 8th and we've been going ever since then with some breaks here and there, you know, um, we took a week off um, our normal vacation week. Matter of fact, Billy, Billy was there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, um, I couldn't make that. I had an exam that Friday. I'm, I'm disappointed. You missed Marley Hour. I was. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was actually time. supposed to go for a few days too, and then hurt. <laughs> I hurt my back. Um, that was right when I hurt my back. Your so yearly, yeah, it wasn't happening. Your year. I wasn't going so, anywhere. So we took a week off then, and then as a matter of fact, this week, this whole week, uh, I've given the guys off, um, just because when you. Uh, when you look at where October the 9th, which is that Friday, would fall in terms of that being the first game, and then where are we right now, essentially, in terms of the way we would prepare the kids, it was June 29th. This Monday would have been June 29th, if that makes makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. So June 29th, we would have been taken off for the July 4th break. We give them a little break during that time. Mm-hmm. So, so we gave them off and, um, it's been really odd, like all of the, the restrictions and we have 135 guys on the varsity team this year, sophomore through senior. So mm-hmm. I literally have not spoken to our entire team at one time since March, you know, because you physically can't, put that many people in any space at Catholic right? Yeah. Um, and be within the guidelines. So um, normally we'd practice during the summer four times a week with the varsity guys. They've only practiced three times a week. Um, the younger guys, they practice twice a week. Uh, they've all lifted between three and four times a week during the summer. And we're kind of continuing that uh, into the start of the school year, but then the school, uh, threw a monkey wrench into the plans. This is the way the whole thing's gone. You plan and then boom, something else happens and you got to totally restructure the plan. Then that lasts for about a week or two, then something changes and you got to restructure the plan. So we had a plan going into the school year and then, um, Catholic, which I think is a great idea. I think it's going to work and I think it's going to be really positive for, 
keeping kids safe and teachers safe, but we went to these AB days. So the kids with the last name A through L essentially go on one day and kids with the last name L through Z go on another day. Well, you've got varsity guys, you got JV guys, you got certain groups in the varsity that can practice together, certain groups in the JV that can practice together. Now throw into that mix, only A through L are going to be on campus on this day and mm -hmm. L through Z are going to be on campus that day. Our, our starting quarterback's last name is O'Connor. Right. One of our starting receivers is Benson. Those two yeah. guys are never going to be on campus at school at the same time. So we restructured everything. As a matter of fact, we finished it today, going back through regrouping people, readjusting these static groups and all this stuff. And it is just, and what I've told you is literally just a the piece tip of, of the iceberg right. of the sanitizing, the spraying down, the, uh, the tracing of contacts if a kid tests positive with the mm -hmm. with coronavirus and like it is just what it what it's gonna do is it's gonna give all of us an appreciation for when things do go back to normal yeah. of just how easy we had it like in in planning a practice you know yeah I I can't tell you how little football and how little of building the relationships with our players that I've been able to do because I've done so much. I am an infectious diseases expert now. You know? like, <laughs> if you have any questions about symptoms or contacts of con, what do you do if you're a contact of a contact of somebody who had uh -huh. coronavirus? I got you. I got you. I can answer <laughs> all your questions on that. That was actually, so, uh, that was a question I was going to ask is uh, what stuff that y'all have been doing during the, uh, this whole COVID process, what stuff do you see sticking with you? that you maybe weren't doing before? That's a good question. There's a lot of things that I think we've learned from this. Um, I think the, the, um, the locker room, you know, I mean, in our locker room at Catholic, it's really nice. It's a really nice locker room. Yeah. But for instance, this year, we've got 210 total players in the program, freshmen through senior. First of all, that's insane. That's insane. <laughs> all right. I, I graduated from Lehigh in 96 and, you know, Catholic wasn't my favorite team back then. Uh, we may have had, and my dad is watching right now, so he'll, he'll quote me on this. I think we had 40 guys total. Yeah. So we have about, we have, we have uh, 75 guys on the freshman team and we have 135 on the varsity. So when you put that many into the locker room, um, as a matter of fact, last year, right before the state championship game, leading up to that game, we had, we had like just the flu and stomach bug just decimated our team. We had a kid, Josh Robertson, who was a starting corner for us, like laying on the table on his deathbed before that game. And at the 11th hour, right before the game started said, I think I can play, you know? <laughs> and so I think there's a lot that can be said for us learning about keeping kids distanced from each other when we can, you know, obviously the six feet and social distancing we're doing now is, is over the top if it was just a normal situation. But I think there's a lot we can learn from that. I think there's a lot we can learn from virtual meetings, the zoom meetings we've been able to do. Um, for instance, you take say a normal Tuesday for us in the coming weeks, 
and the group that is virtually attending school, we're going to actually virtually bring them into our meetings that we're having with the guys who are on campus. So we can watch film with them. We can go over things that we need to go over with them and they don't have to drive up to school to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot that we can take from this. You know, there's definitely some silver lining in a lot of this stuff. And, um, you know, I think that the sanitizing of the weight room, it's really not that big of a deal. It doesn't take us right. now that we got all the processes down. It's not really that, that big of a deal to spray down the bars and spray the kids' hands. We bought at the beginning of the summer, we bought three 55-gallon drums of 70% alcohol, 30% water uh, solution from some distillery somewhere that somebody knew about. And so we fill them in these pump sprayers like you would spray Roundup in your garden. Right. And we spray the kids' hands down. During the summertime, we were spraying them down three times during a two-hour session. And then right now, uh, anytime the kids cross contaminate essentially in a group that shouldn't be in contact with a group, if Johnny touches Joey in a one-on-one -on -one segment, as soon as they go, they bust out into their sides of the sideline and they spray each other's hands down so that they can be sanitized. I don't think we would do anything to that extent, but it is teaching us a lot about some of those things that I think could help us later on in other years where we don't get just crushed by the stomach bug or the flu. Yeah, nobody's caught off guard anymore for, for many of that stuff. Right. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on phase four? Because that's where we need to get to, correct? You're smiling already because I, I feel like you have a lot to say about it. And I'm wanting to see how far you want to go with it. And the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> phase four doesn't exist. Okay. Um, that, was, that was a uh, fictitious land uh, that was made up. Uh, and we and, – and, of course – I say that, you know, in jest, the LHSA and Eddie Bonine and company have had, you know, nobody would want to be them right now. I agree. Just like nobody would want to be me and, and have to go through, you know, all the things we're going through to be a head coach. But, but uh, phase four just means we need to be out of phase three. It's essentially what that means. Yep. Um, I've heard them talk about that when we get into phase three, if there's a declining number of positive cases, they're going to start letting us have contact. So right now we cannot have any kind of contact between static groups. Um, and so they'll start letting us have a little bit of contact in phase three. And then if we get out of phase three, there is a plan in place for a three week lead up to a first game. So if you looked at what the LHSA sent out the other day with the October 8th, October 9th start date, essentially what they're saying is if we get out of phase three, they're going to give you two weeks of essentially what amounts to fall camp in pads to get them acclimated to hitting and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the next week would be the week leading up to your first game. No jamborees, no inter-squad scrimmages, no mixing of teams or anything like that until the actual first game. Right. And, you know, I think that's okay. I, I personally think where we stand at Catholic, um, if they told us you're going to play next Friday is going to be your first game, I really feel like we'd be ready, even yep. though we haven't had any contact yet. If we just had three days of contact 
leading up to the first game, I think we'd be able to realistically put a group out there that could perform at a high level and, 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 and be successful. Um, because we have such an amazing coaching staff and such amazing kids to work with, you know, like you just can't put a price tag on those two things. And, you know, for example, special teams, you know, like who's even thinking about special teams right now. Right. Um, We have our kickoff installed, our kick return installed, our punt, punt return installed, PAT, PAT block. Well, now would be the perfect time to work on your special teams, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, we've got our, some of our fakes in, we have some of our calls in, we've already started our special teams drill work. So, yeah, I feel confident that uh, whenever they tell us it's time to go, our kids are going to be ready. Um, As a matter of fact, when they came back from quarantine, so they were quarantined from March to June, essentially. Mm -hmm. When they came back in June, that first day of workouts and practice, there were literally a, a, a majority, okay, over 50% of our guys who actually came back stronger, faster, and in better shape than had they been with us the whole time. Right. Wow. And my theory for that is they slept, okay? Jackson knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Those kids at Catholic, they don't sleep. They do homework and study yeah. for tests until one and two o'clock in the morning and they yeah. get up to be at school at seven. Very regimented. Right. Yeah, especially sleep. if you're in those honors classes, man. It's brutal. It's brutal. So these kids got to do all their work during the day online and they're all out working out, running, doing their stuff on their own. And some of them were able to grow more because they were able to sleep more. I mean, sleep is like steroids for a 17 year old kid. I mean, that's literally what it is. The more sleep they get, the more testosterone they have. And, and, and so many of our kids came back and I said, I don't think, for example, Michael Chernowskis, I don't think Michael Chernowskis would have come back that big, that fast and that in shape even had he been training with us this whole time. So Mm -hmm. I say all that to say, I think we'll be ready whenever they tell us to play. I also think it's far-fetched to believe that we're going to get out of phase two on time and then out of phase three on time. I just don't see that. Yeah, that's my my worry, Coach. And I know as a coach, especially, you know, at a big program like this, like you have to have, uh, you know, next man up mentality. You have to have – you know, next day at a time, and we are only going to control the things that we can control and, and all of that. But it's like, you know, I was talking to another high school coach recently, and it's, it, it almost feels like you're just practicing for, you know, until whenever, and you have no idea when you're going to get to that point, or if you will, right? That's exactly I mean, right. I feel like you'd have to have some kind of realization with that, obviously. Yeah, you know, kids, the way kids are more adaptable than adults. Okay. Like when adults have their routines changed, when adults have their lives interrupted by things, adults have a much harder time adapting. These kids adapt like you wouldn't believe. Right. What they don't particularly uh, care for is when somebody tells them a, and then does B. When somebody does tells them A is going to happen, but then does B, you lose 16, 17 year old, you lose them instantly. 
And the thing I'm most afraid of is keeping these kids positive. And I, and I'm honest with them about where I think we're going and what, what's mm-hmm. happening. I can remember a conversation I had with our team in early July where I said, look guys, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. You know, I think maybe we start, a, maybe we start a week, a week behind, you know, but I think, I think we are going to be ready. We're going to be, we're going to start, we're going to play, we're going to play all 10 games. And, and that's what I believed at that, at that time. And so I'm always very honest with them, but eventually I'm worried about losing them. And our kids are bought in. They're as bought in as anybody. And I'm still worried that if we continue to keep them optimistic, keep them positive and tell them, you know, October the 9th and then October the 9th doesn't happen because we get out of, don't get out of phase two on time. Then we tell them October the 16th and we tell eventually teenage kids are going to be like, no, you've told me, you've told me this a few times. I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I've checked out and I worry about that with, with high school kids. And then I worry about the psychological damage that that has on them moving forward. And I don't, I don't have the answer, you know, like I'd love to be John Wayne and just say, man, we're just going to play, you know, like screw the coronavirus. I just don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that's responsible at this point until we really know what's going on. Yeah, I, I feel like everybody is in the same boat too, which it probably helps them a little bit with this, is like knowing that you're, they're not the only team, they're not the only player that's going through this. It's everybody, right? Like, yeah, but um, then you know, I talked to a buddy of mine that's a head coach in Alabama, high school in Alabama. They're kicking off next week. Well, that, yeah, there you they're go. Off. They're playing. Yeah. And that brings us to a little bit. I know you wanted to ask a question about the schedule that we had in place right. already. Right. So yeah, is uh is IMG is that just off the table at this point? It it is in the week that we so let's say magic fairy dust gets sprinkled over Louisiana and we get out of phase two on time, we get out of phase three on time, and we kick the ball off on October the ninth. Okay. Mm-hmm. If that happens, the LHSAA has said we're gonna start at week three. Our IMG game was week two, okay? So in that sense, the game is, it's not going to happen. We've been in talks with IMG. Um, They have a couple of open dates later in the season. And um, Coach Kelly, our athletic director, who is, it's cliche, but is as outside the box of a thinker as you can Mm -hmm. possibly imagine. You need that at this point. Uh, Yeah, You do. He and I have met on a couple of occasions uh, and talked to the, the people at IMG. And there are a few little scenarios where there's a small possibility that we may be able to pull that game off. Um, some of those would require special permission from the LHSAA, mm-hmm. uh, which certainly diminishes our chances of getting yeah. that done. Um, so. The LHSAA right now is not the biggest fan of Catholic and the private schools. I'll just go ahead and say it. Yeah. Um, so Eddie Bonon you know, has not, he's not joined our Facebook live yet. So we're waiting on Eddie <laughs> Bonon to join and he'll just pop up on another little window there. So you can see him. If, if he does, I, I'll uh, crawfish as soon as he. <laughs> okay. Um, so 
with all the uncertainty, what I thought was brilliant, and this is why one of the reasons why I, I, we were talking about bringing you on originally, because I just loved this idea. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Matt Moscona scooped me on it, though. He got you on his <laughs> show before me. That's what was fine. Um, the combine, to me, was amazing. I thought it was very, like you said, out the box. Um, I thought it was something that needed to happen for your kids. Um, you needed to get a spotlight on them. Um, with, with all the uncertainty, you have no idea what's going to happen. And this was a great showcase for those guys. Um, talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I just, I love the idea and I, I I'm sure it's going to be more of this coming. Yeah. So, um, in January, before all of this even happened, um, Hudson Fuller, who was our offensive coordinator last year, he's now the head coach at West Feliciana. Okay. Um, Hudson, as a matter of fact, worked for Cam Cameron and Les Miles at LSU. He worked for um, Coach Patterson at TCU uh, mm -hmm. as an analyst. And so he had been in the college realm. So he and I, in January, said, we want to up our game for our kids. We want to figure out a way to Pre-COVID, right? Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, wow. Pre correct. We wanted to figure out a way to get our kids some more exposure and, and help out in the recruiting process. So he and I started putting pen to paper on two things. One was a recruiting night for our parents. So the parents were going to come in. We were going to have guest speakers go through NCAA eligibility. My philosophy on recruiting as it relates to high school kids and just inform recruiting is one of the for parents is one of the most um misinformed and um just completely uh nebulous things for our parents they just have such a hard time wrapping their brain around it and there's so much misinformation out there about what you need to do to get your kid recruited right so we were going to have that and then in may during the NCAA's open recruitment period. So what that means is during May, the college coaches can go visit campuses and they can go twice. And every year we have about 80 to 85 colleges that come through the school to recruit our kids. And our idea was tell all those schools, hey, schedule your second visit for this weekend, week in May we're going to host this combine and you guys will be able to come watch our kids right there in person. We'll put them through all the drills. We'll time them. We'll measure them. We'll do the whole deal. And y'all can just be right there to watch it. So that was our idea. It wasn't an original idea. Um, the first school that I saw do this was Washington Massillon, which is in uh, Ohio. They're pretty much the oldest high school football team. Yeah. They have a documentary about them that I've seen before. Yeah, I think every kid born in the town gets like a baby tiger. Every boy born, born <laughs> yeah. in the town gets like a baby tiger football stuff. We'll get some bears made. We'll get some bears made. Exactly. Uh, we need to clear that through the LHSAA, though. We don't want any impermissible benefits going on. <laughs> um, so anyway, I saw on Twitter that they had done this with their team. And so HUD and I decided we were going to try to pull it off with our team. Well, then the coronavirus happened in March. We hosted the recruiting meeting for our parents virtually through Zoom. And then um, it took me a while to figure out how I was going to do this uh, without the college coaches being able to be present. Uh, 
So we set the date and we actually had 17 dads who with their cell phones followed a pod of about five or six kids that they were responsible for. They followed them through the entire combine and they, they videoed their height. They videoed their weight. They videoed their wingspan, their forties, their five ten five shuttle, wow. their broad jump, and then all their drill work. Then the dads, when that was over, compiled each kid's video into one video. So every kid that went through the combine has about a three minute video that has the video verification of how tall they are, all that plus their drill work. And, and then I invited a bunch of the media. So I've, I've become friends with a lot of these guys at rivals and two, four, seven and the different recruiting services. And I asked them a couple of weeks ahead of time, like, Hey, would this be something y'all are interested in covering, you know, for our kids? And they're like, Oh, Absolutely. First of all, what else do they have going on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think the big draw for them was Emory Jones. Emory is our big offensive tackle. Who's a junior. Um, He's got a scholarship offer to every school in America, except Clemson and Ohio state. We're still working on those two. But um, I think initially for a lot of the media people, that was the big draw. They wanted to come see him, be able to interview him. Well, Emory got sick right before the combine. And we thought, I mean, I was under the assumption that he just, you know, probably had coronavirus. Well, he ended up testing negative, but he didn't participate. So I told all these guys, Hey, look, Emory's not going to be here. Bait and switch. Bait and switch. No question. The classic (laughs) bait and switch. Still come. We got all these guys. There's, there's big time players that are going to be there and all that. And lo and behold, Shelton Sampson, who we've all known is a baller. And I've been telling college coaches from day one, the kid's unbelievable. Yeah. Shelton Sampson measures six, four barefoot, 180 pounds and runs a four, three, five, 40. And he's not even a sophomore yet. He's going into his sophomore oh my year. Gosh. So of course he blew up all the recruiting people that were there. They loved it. And yeah, it went viral. Um, it, was just, it was really, it was really neat. And especially a guy, Jarrett Roser, who Jarrett mm-hmm. yeah. is on, on social Louisiana media. versus all y'all. Yeah. Jarrett stayed for an hour after that event and interviewed every guy we sent to the interview tent, whether he was a big time prospect or not. Yeah. And it gave our kids a chance to, to feel what it feels like to have that camera in front of you and have to be interviewed and talk to the media. Yeah. So just the whole thing I thought was really, it really went off well. And the coaches did a great job preparing for it. The dads, the volunteers were fantastic. And without the media, it wouldn't have been as successful. So uh, I think it went really well. And I've told a bunch of coaches, you know, Hey, y'all, y'all let me know. I'll, I'll, show you everything that we did if y'all want to put your own own combine well we loved it and i thought like i said i thought it was a fantastic way to showcase your guys especially with the uncertainty and now what we want to do is give you the opportunity since your quarterback landon o'connor was actually one of our very first listeners of our podcast Mm -hmm. we want to give you the opportunity we want to actually be the official podcast of cur dog football Okay. Let's do it's it. Saying, it's saying a lot coming from a Lehigh alum. Okay. <laughs> and actually, my old teammates will uh, probably give me a hard time about this, but we want to we want to be able to showcase your guys because I think that's very important right now, especially for senior athletes, 
We don't no know question. what's going to happen with their season. I want to be able to be, able to be uh, a place where we can kind of share that out. And if we need to get guys on the podcast, we would love to do it. We just want some cur dog gear. That's all we want in return. Hey, look, we'll get y'all some bumper stickers y'all need to put up in the mm-hmm. background somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, oh, yeah. Maybe a couple of hats. We're sponsored by Courtesy Automotive Group in Lafayette, and we'll be the, the official podcast of Cur Dog Football. There that sounds go. good man. to me, man. I'm in. I'm and in. we'll get some we'll, – I'll get in touch with Jarrett Rozier because we want to get some Louisiana versus all y'all T-shirts too because those are really oh, – Yeah, good. he's got he's, – he's awesome. He's got a little he thing going, good. yeah. 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 So – the next stuff that we wanted to talk to you about, um, I know we've talked about Emory Jones and, and Shelton Sampson, but maybe about the offense right now. We had a couple of questions. There was a question that uh, was brought about um, maybe the style of offense that you guys are playing right now and maybe how things have changed. Um, who was it? Chris? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever taught him. Uh, he was my grade. Uh, Chris Allenball. Yeah, I know. I know, Chris. Uh, Followed him uh, on Twitter today, though. The first time I saw him. Oh, he there, you there you yeah, go. Yeah, he, uh, he was asking, uh, like, how, how has uh, the use of running backs changed from, like, the typical uh, ground and pound type of running back to more, like, I guess a uh, good example would be Clyde. Clyde, yeah. And I think that was the right. example that we were thinking of. And he had that question, and he wanted to give it to you as far as how's that's changed because – you know, you think of like bell cows and I, in my day, it was when I was in high school, it was Travis minor for Catholic. Right. Um, and that was the guy that you just needed to give the ball to him 30 times a game and just feed him the rock. Now it feels like things have changed where maybe less touches, but more dynamic. Right. So right. how are you guys doing that right now? And I know you got some good backs. So like, what are you doing to do that for your offenses? I know you're kind of uh, more in, innovative. Right. So initially, um, for me in 2014, when I first came back to Catholic as the OC, mm-hmm. it was really out of necessity. We had two, we had two really good tailbacks, one in Darius Geis and right. the other in Clyde Edwards Zelaer. Clyde was a <laughs> sophomore, Darius was a senior. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, incidentally, um, you know, whether you're, you know, I, I don't want to get into to what happened uh, with Darius and all that, but yeah. say a prayer for that guy. You Absolutely, know I mean? man. It's a tough situation all around. The, the people that, that were affected by it too, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but we had those two guys and I had to figure out how to use them, you know. I mean, you can't just keep one in and keep the other one standing on the sideline. So we started splitting Clyde out a lot as a receiver, Um and and doing some different things we had a wildcat package um where clyde was a quarterback uh or darius either one and another guy travel johnson was our speed sweep guy in the wildcat yeah. Oh yeah. um so initially for me it was out of necessity because we had these players we had to figure out a way to use them and use use the talent that we had um i think in the nfl i think if you start with the nfl I think the rules have changed to where backs are not the traditional back, the big 220 pound bruiser Earl Campbell types because the rules have changed. There's more benefit and more um, to be gained by throwing the football, you know? And so the game is set up for the, for passing to be more of a, 
uh, a benefit than running the football. So I think because of that, you've seen the salaries that running backs are getting paid going down. Mm -hmm. You've seen the salaries that offensive linemen are getting paid going up. And uh, I think that has a part of it. Okay. Add to that you know, the proliferation of the spread offense, the RPO, the run pass option stuff. Um, you add to that, um, that offensive has started going that way. And you need tailbacks that are more dynamic. You need guys that can pass protect. You need guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. You need guys that can split out. One of the things you saw LSU do a lot this year is taking Clyde and starting him in the backfield. Yep. and then splitting him out wide. And when you have a guy that can do that and is a threat to be in the backfield and a threat to be on the perimeter, it makes the defense, it shows their hand. If when the tailback's in the backfield, if he goes out to receiver and a linebacker follows him out there, they're in yep. man coverage. Yep. Okay. If when you bring him out there, if they just bump the whole thing and the corner bumps out with the tailback, now instead of a corner who's one of your better cover guys covering, for example, Jamar Chase, yeah. um, now that corner is out there on Clyde and you've got a nickel or a safety that's covering one of your better receivers. Right. And, and then you, so being able to have a person that is legitimately a threat in all of those positions and then convince the defense that, that he can be utilized in all those spots. Now the defense has to show their hand ahead of time. So that would happen with LSU and you would see Burrow look back to the sideline and they would be telling him to, to run the play they called, change the play change the pass routes or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like uh, getting a chance to see the cards your opponent has before they flip them over. Right. And, and yeah, we've talked to, we let that happen. Right. Yeah. We, we've talked to, um, I think it was Chris Blair on another podcast before where he was talking about um, when he announces the games and he, he's of course in the know with, with the team, but like it was even the national championship game where they, they were down and they weren't playing well, but it was like everybody in the press box on our side were just like, we're fine. Like we know that eventually they're going to figure out the guy that's open. Right. So it was like, there's, there's definitely somebody that's going to be open in this offense because of the way they've set it all up and everything like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of, um, particularly in that style of offense, there's a lot of, of poking and prodding, you know, you, you poke over here and see what you uncover and you prod over there and see what you uncover. And the first quarter, quarter and a half is really just information gathering, right. you know? And then if you have a really good system, you know, once you've gathered the information, all right, if they do X, we're doing Y. Yeah. If they do Z, we're going to do A, you know? And so, you kind of set up those first play calls and those first series. You want to score, obviously. You're not calling plays to not score, but you're calling plays and formations to kind of just gather info, you know. And mm-hmm. I think LSU did a fantastic job of that last year. And don't underestimate Innsminger's influence on that. Oh, for sure. A lot yeah. of people want to talk about Brady, but 
Ensminger, I think people really underestimate just how influential he was in that. Absolutely. And we it, totally agree. So with Miles Brennan, and I know that's a question that we wanted to ask you with LSU, in regards to LSU, because I know you coached Miles um, in high school. Do you feel like he's much better suited in this style of offense than he was pre-Joe Brady and, and pre the opening up from last year? Do you feel like this is the kind of offense that he's supposed to be in? It's the one he's most comfortable in. You know, I mean, in, in high school – um, we didn't, it, at Stanislaus, we didn't have the personnel that we have at Catholic now or the personnel at LSU. We, we didn't, we had a really young tight end who was a freshman who was really good, Chase Rogers, who's now at Ole Miss, but he was a baby at the time. We really didn't have a true tailback in the school. Um, so we were, we were four wides and five wides of a vast majority of the time. That's very – I know LSU got a lot of credit for doing a lot of four and five wides, but you go back and watch him. The tight end's in the game. You know, he's in there. Yeah. So um, – but all of the RPO stuff, the spread out formations, the shotgun stuff, that's what Miles is used to, and I think that's what suits him the best. Um, I don't think anybody would dispute this. I've been to watch LSU practices all – I go to watch LSU practice all the time, sit in their meetings. Uh, LSU does a great job with the high school coaches giving us the open door policy. Nobody would dispute with you that Miles Brennan has a infinitely stronger arm than Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. um, well, except, does Ryan Clark, except Ryan Clark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His arm is stronger. There's no if ands, or buts about it. I think the question now, was elite arm strength, and that was the big, like, hot topic for a day. Miles Brennan can throw the ball through reinforced that, steel, okay? I think, I think, I think we, all, we all understood that. I don't know where that take yeah. came from, but. Yeah. However, in this kind of offense, arm strength would not be on my top five list of attributes that I would have to have for a quarterback, you right. know? Um, I think Joe Burrow's arm was good enough. If you ask me, it was good enough. It wasn't, it wasn't Brett Favre, you know, by any means. Mm -hmm. But in terms of arm strength, I would not put that as one of Joe Burrow's top five attributes. Right. You know? So, I, you know, while I do think Miles' arm is a lot stronger, I don't think that that just automatically equates to he's better than Joe Burrow, oh, you know, sure. right. or will do better, you know accuracy matters anticipation matters all those things matter yeah and that's what we were saying was that accuracy and decision making is going to make or break miles brennan i would assume as far Without as this year um you know some of the things that we had talked about for this year especially now that there's limited or no fans in the stand i think we should, let's just say no fans in the stands this is what it is safer yeah. no fans in the stands if they play sec um, I think the first big test was going to be Florida on the road um, for for Miles Brennan. And our thoughts before all of this happened was, okay, Florida, they'll, they'll have Texas at home. They can get through that. But the Florida game will be like a, a big test for Miles Brennan. It'll be the right. first time he's he's in there and it's going to be loud in the swamp and everything. Now, if, if no fans, obviously, and you go to the swamp, like – taking all that off of him now and it feels like this is kind of setting him up for some good situations um, yeah but so what are your 
what are your thoughts on like it's hard to say now with stats because everything's changed, but as far as expectations for Miles, you know right. better than most. What are you thinking that he's going to do as far as production if they play and everything? Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple of factors. I think the run game is going to be a major factor. Uh, and um, LSU somewhat caught everybody off guard, especially early in the season. Um, when you go back and look at the scheme of the run game from last year, everybody gets upset at the Les Miles era and the lack of creativity in the run game. Let me tell you something. LSU ran one, particularly one running play, the duo play, which is a, it's sort of a new, new aged run. But they literally ran like one, maybe two schemes in the run game yeah. this year. And, and that was fine because it was Every, all sort yeah. of new and, 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 right. and people weren't quite ready for it. Right. I think that the run game, and the creativity in the run game, that's going to be a key piece for Miles' success in the passing game because you've given everybody months and months and months to go back and, and study the LSU offense. And if they can eliminate a bunch of this stuff they have to prepare for in the run game, now they're going to be able to prepare more in the passing game. So I think that's a key. I think you should look for LSU to have a little more variety in the run game than they had this past year. If they can do that and be successful with it, that will open up things in the passing game for miles where it relates to play action boots, uh, things where he's able to get on the run. So I think that's critical. And then on top of that, you know, in terms of expectations for miles, um, I think if I was the LSU coaching staff, my number one thing would be to take care of the football. And Miles was unbelievable. Miles threw the ball. So when I left Stanislaus, our OC took over as the head coach, Bill Connodies. And Bill, I was constantly holding Bill back from throwing the ball too much. When I left, Bill went off the deep end. They threw the ball <laughs> 50, 60 times a game with Miles. And you would go back and look at his senior year. I think he did, I think he had something like, I don't know. 50 touchdown passes before he threw his first interception. Okay. <laughs> and I don't care what the I level of football that. is. I don't care Mississippi, whatever. None of that matters. The kid put the ball in the air. However many hundreds of times, 500 times. And you mean to tell me not one receiver batted a ball up in the air on accident right. and somebody picked it off. Right. He throws a catchable ball. So as a receiver, the right. tighter the ball spins, the easier it is to catch the ball. Mm -hmm. And he throws the ball as tight in a spiral as I've ever seen. So the balls are, are very catchable when he throws them. And so I think for them, taking care of the ball for Miles is going to be really important. And then just allowing those guys they got some playmakers jamar chase probably would have been a first round draft pick in the yeah. in the draft this year so um and you look at joe burrow last year the throws that he made the vertical throws down the field um you know i think miles for miles being able to learn the touch on some of those throws and not just putting it in the bazooka and launching it downfield which yeah you know, he can do. So I think those are the keys for him to be successful. I think expectation wise, I, you know, 
last year was an anomaly statistically for any football team ever offensively. Um, I wouldn't expect Miles to have a year statistically like Joe Burrow did his first year. I think Miles will be way further along. I agree. Joe was uh, in his first year. I think any expectation for him to have similar or even better numbers than Joe did this past year are just, they're unfair. You know, yeah. I mean, oh, for sure. Could he do that? Is he capable of that? Yes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to have that as an expectation now, all of a sudden, when we were in the dark ages of the passing game for so long, yeah, just it's unrealistic. Yeah, well, we, I think what we were saying is if we went to – if we had the regular 12-game uh, schedule like we were going to have, I think our predictions were closer to like 3,500 yards to maybe 4,000 passing yards. Right. And we would see a lot of national people saying – 3,000, it would be great if he got to 3,000 yards. And I was thinking, this scheme isn't going to be a 3,000-yard passer anymore. This is a different type of scheme. Uh, they're putting the ball up too much. They're so spread out. They got playmakers everywhere. This is going to be a 3,500 up. And I was thinking 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns. And, I'm, yeah, and they're like, well, that's just crazy. And I said, our guy last year – had 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think what you're saying is out of the realm of possibility. I, my, my biggest worry, statistically and touchdown-wise, all of that is the loss of Clyde. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's a huge loss. And I don't know the other tailbacks they have as well as I knew Clyde. So, sure. I'm sure it's LSU. I'm sure they got right. plenty right. of good tailbacks. But um, – you really, when you go back and really study the tape from last year and look at what Clyde did in protection, look what Joe Burrow did in protection. When you go back and watch the Alabama game, watch how many times Joe Burrow throws the ball right as a free rusher is getting ready to come through and hit him. It's un Alabama was so close to hitting home on these blitzes, and Joe Burrow just kept making them pay every time. And then Clyde and pass protection, Clyde as an outlet once Burrow read. You know, a lot of these concepts are set up to, hey, throw the deep ball, progress to this intermediate throw. Right. And if anything spooks you at all, just check it down to Clyde, right. right? How many times did you see that? Burrow was looking downfield, took a peek at an intermediate route, and then boom, the ball was in Clyde's hands and yeah. Clyde made something happen. So hopefully the tailbacks that they have coming up this year will be able to still uh, give that kind of a, of a dynamic to the offense. So last thing on Miles Brennan, uh, we play a little game show on this, on this podcast, Coach, and I don't know if you've heard this, but it's called Guess Miles Brennan's Weight, okay? <laughs> and it's every week we, we try to guess Miles Brennan's weight, and we've heard we've heard uh, he was on Cody Warstrom recently, and he he said I, I don't know if he said his weight or not, but all right. So let's go back to his high school years. How much really did Miles Brennan weigh? So Miles Miles was the youngest brother of three brothers. His oldest brother was my starting quarterback at Stanislaus my first year there. He was a senior, uh, Bo Brennan. Okay. Um, he had a middle brother, Hunter Brennan. Uh, and then Miles and Miles's dad was on our staff. Miles's dad played okay. at Tulane, the whole deal. So they, Miles and Hunter and Bo, 
would invariably walk past me in the hallway and they were all so skinny. And I would always tell them like, Hey guys, y'all uh, have a party this weekend and starve each other to death. You know, how was the starving <laughs> party, you know? And I would just, I would just hammer them about it, you know, like, cause they were all just, I don't know. I bet when miles, miles was a freshman, my last year at Stanislaus, I don't know. I actually have it. I could probably go find it on a spreadsheet because we, we make the guys weigh in, you know, throughout the season. 120 pounds, 125 <laughs> pounds. I don't know. As a freshman, Miles will probably have to correct me on this. I, I also taught him in seventh grade in English class. But oh, really? yeah, uh, I feel like I'm we need to tag him. Yeah, we're going to tag him. I want him to officially like get on a scale for us now to to end it all i'm going with his freshman year in high school he was 125 pounds 125 pounds okay you couldn't kick him out of the weight room he was he you could tell even as a freshman eighth grader in high school Mm -hmm. that this kid was gonna bust his tail and be you know now i saw miles a couple of weeks ago um so my guess for the Miles Brennan sweepstakes would be legit now. Shoes off, you know, early morning. That's, that's what I need. Yes, exactly. You got to go morning. in the morning. You got to go in the morning. Straight out of bed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say he's 201. 201. That's way that's but That's my guess. Hot takes like from Coach Gabe Fertitta here. Uh, well, everybody else is saying he's like 220, aren't right, they? Or yes, 220. Yeah. That's everybody. Coach O's even trying to say that. It's the Miles Brennan hype trainer. Look, if he weighs 195 pounds or more, he's fine. I agree. I agree. If he weighs 195 or more, no need to worry. You know, we don't make, we try, we, well, we do make a big deal about the weight thing, but it's, it's only because it's in jest and it's only because everybody else tries to build it up so high. Right. And it's oh, like, why are we doing this? What does it matter? Like we saw him last year. I'm sure that quarterback will be just fine in this offense. So yeah, if um, he weighs 200 pounds, guys, that's all you, I mean, that is all you need. I well, mean, you got is, 201, you got 201 coach. Woo. Oh, yeah, I, I, I should have gone for the price is right number and done like 199. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, what is, uh, what is the guy way at Kansas city? Uh, Mahomes, you know, Mahomes, I mean, yeah. Different style. Five, maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah different style like of QB. Okay. Yeah. I get sure, that. Sure. But, but still, I mean, you don't need your quarterback to weigh 220 pounds if he's got the arm talent that Miles Brennan has in this sure. offense. You just don't. Absolutely. Okay. If he does weigh 220, then hey, shoot, well, sign me up for the Miles Brennan hype train. I know well, I can't. I can't it. wait to get this clip. We're gonna cut this clip. And we're gonna put it all over Twitter. I'm gonna tag Miles Brennan, and I want like a quick like face like a, a an iPhone video of him stepping on a scale, <laughs> shoes off. And I want to see what the scale says. And He'll probably do it just to uh, prove shut everybody wrong. up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, so well, we got one more. Uh, oh, we got a couple questions in here, or no? Uh, do we? I don't know. Oh, Billy, Billy, the big guy wants to know: Does the camera add ten pounds? I don't know I don't if he's know. talking about for Miles or for you or me or what. Was, I, don't know. I think he's. I think he's talking about me. I, the quarantine did not treat me well uh, <laughs> in terms of my physical activity. I'll, I'll just be the first to say it. 
Yeah. But well, thanks, Billy. I appreciate shaven. that. Yeah, you're clean shaven at least. Um, yeah, yeah. More in there? All right. So there's no more on there, but we did have that one question that we were we talked oh about God. at the beginning, and it felt like a jab. It was just a jab. Had to have been from a Rummel guy. I don't know, man. He it, it, and he put it on Instagram. He slid it in my DM, so he didn't want anybody to see it. He just mm -hmm. slid it in there. Um, I'm good. You can hit me with nothing. You can ask me is anything I probably haven't been asked before. Why would you kick to the one guy who can beat you in a kickoff return? It's a great question. Um, so there's a story there. Yeah, back uh, us up and tell me the whole. Um, tell me the whole. Situation. There's a story there, and I and and I say this. I want to say this in 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 you know lighthearted fashion, and I exactly. don't want I don't want to like you know roll any kids under the bus, obviously, but. Okay. We we score the go ahead touchdown. Right. And um this is this Rumble kicker, championship game, correct? Correct. Yeah, our our kicker, who's really good, he's a sophomore, I think will eventually punt and or kick at LSU or somewhere like that. He's he's that good. He's the number two ranked punter in the country right now. Okay. For his age group. Um he kicks the extra point through the uprights. And the officials in that game were horrible. So I was arguing with an official after we had scored and I was, I was just wearing him out about something. I don't even remember what it was. And I, I finished wearing him out about it and I look up and right as I look up, um, our deep snapper who was happened to be our backup kicker is kicking off. His foot is hitting the ball as I look up from talking to the official. And I'm like, whoa, what is, what happened? Like, why is he in there kicking? And I'm watching the ball just <laughs> sail right to, you know, Donovan Kaufman, who's a freak right. show stud. And, and it was hot. It, it was warm that week and like all this stuff and everybody's nerves were high and all that. Well, our kicker had cramped up after the PAT. I had no idea, no clue that this had happened. And so, they had to put in, you know, our backup kickoff guy okay. to, to kick the ball off. And, um, you know, we had been a deep middle or we were going to just sky kick it was our sort of, you know, MO there. And we even had the win. So we, we had the win that quarter and our kicker had kicked every other kickoff that game into the end zone. Right. They hadn't even had a return. And so, um, you know, it was a combination of all those uh, sort of small things that yeah. went together to give us that, that outcome. And, and the truth of the matter is we had multiple chances to tackle him and we didn't get him down, you know. And so you can look at that and say, man, had we just kicked it out of bounds or had we just, you know, sky kicked it or whatever. And you can live in that world. And I certainly do more often than not. But, <laughs> but um, we got down in the red zone in that game so many times and mm -hmm. didn't come away with touchdowns that if you really want to look at, you know, what lost us that game, yeah. it's when we got down in the red zone, we consistently did not come away with touchdowns and, if we would have that kickoff wouldn't have made one bit of a difference anyway. So, um, 
that's that's something that for us as coaches has been a point of emphasis. We've gone back over that game a million times to look at, you know, what we could do better. This is what you're working on for special teams when you don't have anything going on. You just relive this same <laughs> moment over and over and over for the yeah, next couple we, of months. We put the kickoff team out there for the first time the other day to to work on it. And I said, guys, I don't think I need to impress upon you how important <laughs> this is right here, do I? And they all looked at me like they wanted to punch me. So yeah. uh, I think I think we all learned our lesson. Oh, that's sure. awesome. Well, I'm glad was, we could get that little um, – That was actually one of the only plays of the game I didn't see. So, I was I was on the way to Atlanta. It was your fault. Second. That's what it yeah, was. He jinxed I, you. I swear. He jinxed I, you. I watched the vast majority of the game. We score the touchdown to go up. And then I get to, uh, I get to my hotel in Atlanta. And uh, I come back to the Bruin broadcast and we're down. And we just about had lost the game at that point already. And you cussed at uh, Gabe, Coach Gabe here? <laughs> I should have his name. Yeah. Should have. So what are you thinking? I was assuming that we yeah. got screwed or something. I know. I know. Live and learn. You know. I mean, it it happens. For well, sure. Coach, we really, really appreciate this, and and I'm I'm being truthful. I really want to uh, use this as a, a possible platform for your guys if we need to, if we want to get them on Landon O'Connor. Man, I I feel like I know him now. We have to get. He'd him be on. an awesome guest. There you He'd go. I got to get him on. Um, We'll keep it lighthearted with these guys, but I want to give them something to where they can kind of get a spotlight. Um, I just feel for a lot of these. I, I was a, I was a, I was a bigger high school athlete. I didn't make it anywhere at, past that, but I, I remember my senior year. It, it's vivid memories, and I'm like, I'm just really worried that yeah. guys aren't going to get that shot. And I want to, I want to be able to use this any way we can. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do it. I'm down. Cur dog football. Here we go. All my all my friends are probably puking right now that I said that, but uh, we'll 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 say it. Cur dog. Well, official podcast of Cur dog football, man. For sure, go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears. All right go there Bears. you go. All right, Thanks coach. For me on, we appreciate. Guys. We'll keep you back on. We'll get you back on closer to the season. Hopefully, okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Gabe. Hey, coach. All right, guys. See y'all. See you, Jackson. All right, so that was our interview, guys, with Coach Gabe Fertitta. I hope you guys uh, love that one. We're going we're gonna to bring you more from uh, Catholic High for sure. Uh, we also have a couple of other uh, things that we may have lined up for high school football coming up too because I want to really um, be, uh, fig figure out how we can kind of help those guys. And I know we got a lot of listeners in the, in the Lafayette area, and there's a, a couple of high schools out there that we want to – kind of talk to too so we may use some of these midweek episodes for something like that you think that would think that would work yeah i, I mean i think great. yeah i think we can do our uh, other shows normal time but then maybe do a couple of wednesday live streams like mm -hmm. this and kind of keep it lighthearted. actually i think i might be seeing uh landon o'connor right after this so i'll ask him perfect yeah, yeah. and his uh so I know him because he's my girlfriend's little sister's boyfriend. Uh, I don't know what and that means. I can't figure that out. It's my girlfriend's little sister's birthday today. Oh, uh, gotcha. So okay. I was supposed to be there for dinner, but gave Petita. So gotcha. So <laughs> Landon, for sure. I know, um, I know there's some big recruits. Uh, you know, Emory Jones is a guy that is over. Yeah. He's on everybody's radar. Man, I want to um, talk to Sheldon Sampson. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a freshman yeah. going into his sophomore year, 4 3. Six four one eighty, that's I, unreal. I, that's just you. I think that instantly makes you a five star, right? Yeah, it makes you a five. Star. Dad's asking her if we're getting um, are we getting uh, Robin Fanborough on? We can get Robin Fanborough on. Um, what y'all's deal with her? 
uh, it's just a long time sports writer. She's been okay. uh, the big high school sports writer for the Advocate forever. Yeah, I see her all the time. And, and that's just the inside joke between me and Dad. Um, also, I want to get Jared Rozier on, and I'm gonna cool. send Jared some information. I want to see if he'll come on, maybe talk about that um, that combine, and maybe how we can kind of partner together with helping some of these kids out. I think that would be a good use of this platform. Yeah. Um, official podcast of Kerr Dog Catholic High Football. Make a banner. We got to get a banner. Yeah, we got to get something up here. Again, guys, super um, big-time support from uh, Courtesy Automotive Group in Lafayette, Brandon Lejeune in Lafayette, Courtesy Buick GMC. Uh, they've been huge, huge supporters of our podcast. Reach out to them. Whenever I post all this stuff on Facebook, guys, I'm always going to tag Courtesy uh, Buick GMC and tag Brandon Lejeune. When you see um, when you see that, follow Brandon if you can. Uh, follow him on Facebook. He posts deals all the time on his Facebook page. And when he posts a deal, you have to act super, super fast um, because he's doing it and they're going to go quickly. Some of them go viral. Uh, he's been posting these Denali uh, pictures and they go viral. Uh, Marcus Spears reached out to him, wanted to get a vehicle. It's been kind of been kind of nuts on his Facebook page. Yeah, so I'm, I'm serious. We need to get Marcus Spears on this podcast. We need to get Marcus Spears on the podcast. We need to get Cheryl to follow Brandon Lejeune and get you a new vehicle, I believe, because it's about time, right? I'm all in. Although, that would, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. That no, be, uh, no, no, it's not going to happen. It's gonna okay. be a tough conversation. We're gonna we're gonna try for this, Brandon. And I, Brandon's been pushing this for a long, long time. He wants you to get out of that other car. Um, so for that. Brandon will get you a deal. Here's the deal with them. They're in Lafayette guys, 4750 Johnson street. Um, you may be in Baton Rouge. You may be in, you know, New Orleans, anywhere you're listening to this. Uh, you can always contact Brandon. He can set up deals for you. He can work out paperwork for you. He can deliver a car to you. It's super convenient. It's just a different way of doing business now in the automotive industry. Reach out to Brandon. He'll hook you up. He'll get you a good deal, man, especially for an LSU fan. He loves that. Um, Summer saying she needs a new whip. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, more live streams to come, especially for our high school editions. I really love this idea. Um, and then uh, we will next be on the air uh, next Monday, we will have another edition, and that'll be with Cody Warsham, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so we have Cody Warsham from LSU Athletics is going to be on the air. Um, we also uh, will have this episode airing tomorrow, but you'll be able to also see the live stream anytime you need to. We really appreciate all of our viewers for this, and uh, see you guys next time. One Team, One Podcast, a Bandit Radio Production.